Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. The 2019-20 school year at Monmouth College got off to a successful start on Wednesday, August 21. Be sure to check out the great first day of classes photos that my colleague Emily Kaba took and posted on the various Monmouth College social media platforms. And in this first edition of the 1853 podcast of the school year, we'll get a report from the Monmouth College Educational Garden and Market Farm. We'll also hear from some of the students who participated in this year's Summer Opportunities for Intellectual Activities. And Sports Information Director Dan Nolan will preview the nine varsity teams who will be competing this fall. Before the 2019-20 school year officially got underway on August 21, there was a lot of activity on campus throughout the summer especially in the outdoors. This was the 10th year for the Monmouth College Educational Garden, which is located right next to the east side of campus. The nearly seven-acre market farm, which is about four blocks to the east of the garden, is a few years younger. Combined, the two pieces of property, both of which are located inside the Monmouth city limits, produce bushels of produce and dozens of jars of preserves each season for the farmer's market and area merchants. This summer, they were overseen by four Monmouth students who worked under English professor Craig Watson and biology professor Eric Engstrom. Craig said this summer was very much a mixed bag for the garden crew. He had a very wet spring and uh, cold and uh, we had our farm underwater about uh, six inches for well into May and that affected uh, strawberries and to a certain extent um, raspberries and, and, and blueberries but um, then we hit the wall of heat in June um, so it, it's been it's been um, atypical uh, our uh, early crops did pretty well um, but our direct seed uh, summer crops, primarily squash and, and things like that, um, never germinated. And so we uh, had to do a round of uh, uh, star uh, uh, seed blocking and then transplant all of those things. And we discovered that we were not alone. Others in uh, the alternate agriculture business were having the same kinds of uh, anomalies. So. Of course, every year is different for the garden crew, but Craig has noticed that climate change has introduced several additional challenges to the garden crew. Yeah, you learn something new every year, and then there's a, there, there are three, four experiments that fail, and, then, and there are inexplicable things you have to go and try to figure out. Uh, I would say that the last three years have been characterized by um, strange weather that I, we suspect, I suspect, is related to climate change. I'll give you one illustration, and Eric can chime in on this as well. Um, the Japanese beetles, the, their presence in such great numbers 
last year and the year before uh, probably related to their having broken a climate barrier uh, and moved further west and in greater numbers. And um, that means that we have to do uh, some anticipatory uh, planning in terms of uh, their arrivals and what they like. Um, hopefully buying, for instance, uh, species of blackberry or raspberry or replacement blueberries that come to fruition um, either before or more likely after they depart. Late bearing uh, bushes since they uh, the beetles come somewhere around the middle of June and leave uh, six weeks later. Eric says that in many ways the challenges they are dealing with on the garden and farm are being replicated throughout the region. Bottom line is it's keeping everyone on, on, your, on your toes. All the farmers in this area and, and well, really all throughout North America are having to come to terms with the fact that this is a process and it's going to keep being different every year. Improvisation and adaptability. Adaptability, improvisation, and, and I think also uh, diversification. We're just not going to be able to, we have to hedge your bets a little more broadly here. Uh, and of course that's something we do pretty well here. We've, you know, we've got a lot of things growing. If something completely flames out, we're not wasting too much time. We're just moving on and, and seeing what else, what else does well. Eric says that students who work on the garden and farm learn several valuable lessons. He says that nothing beats the value of learning hard work, as well as relating that work to what takes place in the classroom. Yeah, they learn the value of hard work, but, um, you know, they see what that work does, perhaps in a much more concrete way than they sometimes get in the classroom. We're oft, often asking them to appreciate the benefits of what they're working towards as an article of faith. Uh, out here, uh, you know, they can sweat for, for a long afternoon getting plants into the ground and a month and a half later they can be selling some of that, you know, for money, you know, cash as exchanging hands in Galesburg somewhere. I think that that's, you know, I, I think that can only make them come back to the classroom with a little more of a sense of the value of, of applying themselves, of working hard. It's a lot more collegial out here too. I mean, they interact with their professors in a very different way. They have responsibilities. We're not telling them what to do. We're asking them, so what are we gonna do out here? And uh, you know, that, they, they get more and more into the groove of that. They become more and more comfortable and accustomed to that. And I think that probably also translates uh, well back into their learning in the classroom, in the college, so. Monmouth is among several schools in the Associated Colleges of the Midwest who have a garden or a farm. As Eric notes, Monmouth is viewed by its peers as a definite leader in that space. You know, most of the ACM schools uh, have some sort of a garden or farm going here, uh, and they vary. Sometimes they've got a high tunnel, sometimes they've got an acre somewhere off campus. Um, but uh, when Craig got up and gave his uh, presentation towards the end of the conference, I mean, the, the room really got quite quiet. Pe people were absolutely uh, uh, stunned, I think, to see this the scale that we have on here with the seven-acre farm out there. Uh, we'd been seeing pictures of, you know, wheelbarrows and students collecting vegetables. Uh, I think Craig was the first person to throw up a picture of one of our students on a tractor mowing alfalfa, bailing it up, you know. I mean, this was uh, taking it to, to a level that, you know, a lot of the other ACM schools hadn't yet. I that's Monmouth Biology Professor Eric Engstrom. You also heard from English Professor Craig Watson. Along with four Monmouth students, they oversaw and worked on the college's incredible educational garden and market farm this summer. You can read more about it in the news section of the Monmouth College website, and that address is monmouthcollege.edu 
slash news. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Monmouth Summer Opportunities for Intellectual Activities is an innovative three-week program that allows select new and returning students to conduct in-depth research and inquiry with Monmouth faculty. Also known as SOFIA, the program gives students the opportunity to explore and examine a wide range of topics before the start of the school year. This year's SOFIA program included more than 60 students of the college, and those students and their student mentors and professors presented their findings last Saturday, August 17, during the college's matriculation day. I caught up with some of the students who were in a packed Mellinger Commons in the Center for Science and Business. They described their projects and reflected on what they had learned. First, let's hear from some students who spent their three weeks in the classics. I'm Olivia Matlock. I'm a sophomore, class of 2022. I'm an English and classics double major, and I am from Lee Summit, Missouri. My project is the Inside Ancient Greek Athletics, which is where we did a extensive research on the ancient Greek Olympics and attempted to recreate them in the best way we can in this moment. We recreated them by looking at sources from databases, library books, and other print sources so we could see how they did it in ancient Greece and what we could do in the modern day by recreating materials that they use that differ from our modern day Olympics and also just learning the techniques of how they did their sports. I am Ditsa Montesinos, class of 2023. Uh, my major is business administration and I'm from Villa Park, Illinois. What attracted me to this program and this specific group was the fact that we could go back into the ancient times and see what they were doing and hopefully learn from it and improve upon what other research has been done. We learned that the ancient Greek athletics were really hard and it was very different from how we do things now, but also a basis for the sports that are played in the Olympics now. We learned that the long jump was uh, weighted and had five consecutive long jumps, which was very hard on the knees, but also an incredible feat of athletic ability. Hi, my name is Reed Bone. I'm a freshman of the class of 2023. I'm a business major and I'm from Dyersburg, Tennessee. I learned that, you know, ancient Greece, the way they did events um, compared to now, I myself am an athlete, so I did um, decathlon and comparing events from today's time to ancient times in Greece from the different city-states and how they did it, it's, it's very different, you know, the way that they, um, they coordinated some of the events is very different and of course they had events such as the, uh, the race in armor, which was basically a training for war. And so, of course, we don't have that nowadays. You know, it's more peaceful time, and the Olympics, of course, aren't a training ground for war, which is what it was for them in, back in ancient Greece. I'm Dylan Prentice. I am in the class of 23. I am, am double majoring in history and chemistry, and I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And what I learned during this project was that in ancient Greece, the main aspect of keeping history was oral. A lot of the written sources were mostly incomplete or secondhand accounts of other historical events. So to double check, we had to go through many, many sources, many, many artifacts, and many, many photographs of the archaeological digs itself to find any v valid information about the actual Olympics itself. So I learned how to go into that research and discover the original sources behind all the ancient Greek Olympics. 
Now let's learn what some of the Monmouth College students discovered about how the Great Depression in World War II affected students who attended Monmouth High School. Uh, I'm Karen Frederick. I'm a freshman at Monmouth College. I'm a history major and I'm from St. Charles, Illinois. So our SOFIA project was student life at Monmouth High School during the Great Depression and World War II. And we were basically looking at seeing how these events impacted student life and what they did to um, adapt to their surroundings in these like really big times and like and these molding times of American history. So we looked a lot at like primary documents like the student newspaper, The Clipper. We looked at old um, pictures and we also interviewed some alumni of Monmouth High School who went to school during that time. I'm Ashlyn Thomas. I'm a freshman. I'm majoring in elementary education and I'm from Ottawa, Illinois. It surprised me how similar people acted like then and now like they use their newspaper as sort of like our social media now they like said who is going where who is doing what stuff uh, my name is Lucas Riley um, I'm a junior a transfer student uh, I was I grew up in Coast City Illinois and I'm a history education major we focused a lot on student life um, and how it was affected mainly by World War II and the Great Depression there was a lot of activities that they did that probably wouldn't fly today uh, one of them was donkey basketball. Um, this teacher would ride on donkeys and play basketball while people <laughs> watched. Um, one of them was a weird uh, tradition that took place actually on the Monmouth College campus called the Pulse Scrap, where the freshman and sophomore classes would try to would just fight over a telephone pole, and the uh, freshman would try to take down the flag of the sophomore class, and it was just savage, I guess is one way to put it, just completely brutal, and I thought it was just interesting to learn about that. I'm Gabriela Ramirez. I'm a freshman here at Monmouth College. I am, a, I am an English and communications major, and I'm from Elmwood, Illinois. Um, one of the biggest things that surprised me about this project was that the Great Depression was not as much of a factor in these students' lives as um, the war was. Um, there were, like in the student newspaper, there were a lot of articles about, the, about World War II compared to um, the Great Depression. There were a few saying, um, oh, like we're struggling with money or they quit public, um, publishing a yearbook during those times. But mostly um, when the war rolled around, there was a lot of focus on that. Those are but a few of the more than 60 MAMA students who took part in this year's Summer Opportunities for Intellectual Activities. It's a wonderful program that gives students amazing opportunities to work on research with their professors. You're listening to the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. The 2019-20 Fighting Scots athletic season gets underway on August 25 when the Monmouth women's golf team competes at the local Gibson Woods course. Joining us to preview fall sports at Monmouth is the person who's the leading expert on all things Fighting Scots related, and that's none other than Monmouth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. Dan is also the man behind MonmouthScots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Dan says that women's golf should be a lot of fun this year at Monmouth. 
Yeah, women's golf will be uh, exciting to watch this year. We've got everybody but uh, one of the scorers back from last year's uh, conference tournament team, and uh, they actually uh, start on uh, Sunday the 25th. They'll be hosting Augustana uh, out here at Gibson Woods. It'll be a different format, though. Uh, the, instead of going stroke play, they're going to go with a match play format, uh, just really to get out there and, and play some uh, competition golf uh, so that's exciting to, to really get going and and they're the uh, the first team out of the gate the men's and women's cross-country teams coached by john welty open their season on august 30. Uh, the cross-country teams open uh, at the traditional uh, opener uh, not a traditional race it's a shorter uh, distance at the uh, illinois wesleyan opener but it's a good chance uh, for the men and the women to get out and especially for the uh, freshmen to come in and experience college competition so really excited about that and you know the women return a lot of uh, members from last year's squad and and coach Walty has brought in a pretty fair number of men so we're looking to build depth on both sides and really uh, anxious to see what uh, what they can do this year Labor Day weekend will feature the home openers for volleyball, women's tennis, and men's and women's soccer. And a new era begins in Monmouth Volleyball this year. Volleyball home opener is a tournament. Uh, we'll be hosting Lincoln Christian and Principia. And uh, it's a new uh, new era for the first time in over 20 years. Somebody other than Kerry Shimon will be calling the shots. Uh, Emily Tebow is the, uh, the new head coach, replaced uh, Coach Shimon, who retired to concentrate on her teaching duties. So we're excited about that. And uh, Coach Tebow hit the uh, recruiting trail pretty hard and has got some uh, interesting young kids coming in. Uh, also has a a majority of the uh, team back from last year. So really excited about uh, what volleyball has in store for us this year. There are big hopes as well this year for the women's tennis team. Women's tennis uh, should be interesting. Uh, we've got uh, the nucleus back, uh, three from last year, and uh, Coach Jordan has brought some newcomers in, so we're uh, anxious to see uh, how we fare there, and, and they'll be uh, getting started uh, that uh, Labor Day weekend also. Dan says that the women's soccer team has something to prove in 2019. Soccer looking to uh, rebound from last year had some uh, injuries uh, mid-season and, and really uh, I think at one point had three key players out of the lineup so that really hurt. Uh, still uh, very competitive down the stretch so we're hoping they can keep everybody healthy and, and get back. I've got two uh, all-conference uh, returnees and uh, J.C. Reese and uh, Cara Jade Gordon and uh, really you know you look at those two that's uh, firepower up front so really excited there and we think defensively we're going to be a little bit better too. Lost to uh, uh, Devin Cross last year. She was that, that third one that was out for a while. So uh, we'll get her back on the defensive end, and uh, we're looking to return to the conference tournament and in good shape. And, you know, if things fall the way they, they might, uh, we could wind up hosting. The men's soccer team under Coach Colton Johnson has a lot of experience going into 2019. Got a lot of experience back on the men's side. Uh, also, uh, uh, Coach Johnson did some great recruiting in the offseason. And uh, with that, we've got a traditional goalkeeper back, which uh, allows Caden Gladback to move back into the field, his natural spot. And, you know, we've got a lot of guys back from last year, some firepower, the leading scorer uh, back. Lucas Songaroth, uh, for one, is back. So uh, the men's soccer team uh, might be surprised. And a few people were really close last year uh, with a smaller squad so uh, this year we're expecting to get over the hump. The men's water polo team opens on September 9. We'll preview them in an upcoming podcast but on September 7 coach Chad Braun's Monmouth football team opens at home and they face quite the opposition this year on their schedule. 
Football opens uh, with arguably uh, one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the nation. Uh, we've got Wheaton, a ranked team last year, uh, at home to open up on September 7th. Next week we go to Wartburg. Uh, Wartburg's been uh, ranked in the past, and you know we knocked them off last year when they were ranked 13th, I believe it was. So uh, they'll be uh, be ready for us, and then you know we jump into the non-conference portion of the conference schools will play the north division and uh, it's, it doesn't uh, get very easy and then you know we get into the south division and uh, realigned in the south like forest went north and the uh, university of chicago came south so it's not going to be an easy schedule for us uh, coach uh, coach bronze uh, hashtag this year is find a way they just got to find a way and uh, part of that is finding a way to replace a uh, quarterback and all this almost all the skill guys off the offensive side and then to replace on the defensive side two defensive ends so uh, the challenge is going to be there but uh, I'm sure the uh, the team will rise to the challenge and you know we've done it year in and year out and we're, we're set to go and, and see if we can't uh, claim another south division title that's Mammoth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. He's the man behind MammothScots.com. Don't forget you can follow all of Mammoth Athletics on Twitter at MCFightingScots. And for all of Mammoth College's social media accounts, check out the bottom of the homepage of the college website, MammothCollege.edu. And that's going to be a 30 for this first edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. Thank you.